episode number 81. God made them sin. It's God made them sin. Okay, they had something small. Doesn't sound fair. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The Torah portion of the week is by Yeshev. How much free will do we really have? Purity and destiny. We're going to have a powerful parable about the painting and the bird a great story about Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein, and peace in your home honoring one's parents. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So towards the beginning of the parsha, the verses say like this. Now Yisrael loved Yosef more than all of his sons, since he was a child of his old age, and he made him a fine woolen tunic. In Hebrew, that's kesonis pasi. His brothers saw that it was he whom their father loved most of all of his brothers, so they hated him, and they were not able to speak to him peacefully. Then Yosef dreamed the dreams, and then he told over to his fathers and his brothers. Then his brothers yelled to him, and they said, What, we're going to come down, and we're going to bow to you? Then the verse said, So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father waited for the matter. Now it continues. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem, and Yisrael said to Yosef, Are your brothers not pasturing in Shechem? And he said, Go now. Look into the welfare of your brothers and to the welfare of the flock and bring me back word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he arrived in Shechem. And Rashi asked there that Hebron is on a mountain. Why does it say the valley of Hebron? So he brings the Bereshi's Rabbah that explains the valley means something deep. From the deep council of the righteous one Avram, who was buried in Hebron, it is the fulfillment that which was said to Avraham, that your offspring shall be strangers. And this was the beginning of exile, because Yosef is about to go to Mitzrayim. And then as Yosef went, he got lost, and it says, A man discovered him, and behold, he was blundering in the field. The man asked him, saying, What do you seek? And he said, My brothers do I seek. Tell me, please, where are they pasturing? The man said, Who's the man, Rashi explains, is Gavriel, the angel Gavriel. He said to him, They journeyed on from here, for I heard them saying, Let us go to Dosona. So Yosef went after his brothers and found them there in Doson. They saw him from afar, and when he had not approached them, they conspired towards him to kill him. And one said to the other, Look, the dreamer is coming. So now, come, let us kill him, and we shall throw him into the one of the pits, and we will say a wild beast devoured him, and we will see what he'll become of his dreams. So this is the beginning of the story of the selling of Yosef. And we know that the brothers did a tremendous sin, but on the other hand, we see a lot of facts in the story were out of the brothers' control, that Hashem was running the picture here. For example, the Rambam brings down, the Rashi who brings down the Gemara in Shabbos, that says, the boy was rek ve'en bo mayim, the boat was empty and there was no water in it. And it's true there was no water in it, but there were snakes and scorpions in it. But the Ramam explains the snakes and scorpions were hidden. Because if not, after they threw Yosef into the boar and the snakes and the scorpions didn't hurt him, they would have seen a miracle. And that's exactly what would have happened. And then what would have happened? They would have taken him out. They see, obviously, he's the chosen one. 
and Hashem does miracles for him. But Hashem, no, he hid the snakes and the scorpions. And it's true, Hashem did do a miracle for him, but the brothers didn't know about it. So we see that Hashem hid that from the brothers in order that Yosef would go to Mitzrayim. And the Ramban also explains what's the story about Gavriel, the angel Gavriel's out there in the field. So the Ramban says on that, that this story is also to inform us the decree of God is truth and all effort is falsehood. In other words, you can't escape fate. For the Holy One, blessed be he, arranged for a guide for Yosef, without his knowledge, to bring him into his brother's hands. Hashem sent Gavriel, according to Rashi. He sent him there in order that he should send him to his brother's hands. That's going to wind up that he's going to be sold down to Mitzrayim. He says the whole story that I call for naught, to teach us that it's Hashem's counsel that prevails. Hashem was the one bringing Yosef to Mitzrayim. And not only that, Yosef himself, the Goriari, says that Yosef knew it was an angel. Because we see from the words, Yosef didn't ask the man if he knew where the brothers were. He said, tell me where they are. Because he knew that the angel knew. So what's going on here? Is it the brother's free will that's causing Yosef to come into Rhyme? Or it's God's decree? Rubeno Bachiak says that when the brothers interpreted Yosef's dream and they said, well, we're going to bow down to you, he made it that they spoke it out. Because we know a dream goes according to its interpretation. So the fact that they spoke it out gave more kawak to it, gave more strength to it. So Hashem's directing the show here. The Mabam explains that this wholesale of Yosef is really God's plan to bring the Jewish people to Mitzrayim, that they should become purified, since Mitzrayim is like an iron furnace. So he asks, why didn't God just bring a famine? That would have been enough. No, it says, V'yeshev Yaakov. Yaakov settled in the land. First of all, this was, he's back in his homeland. He's back in Eretz Yisrael. And second of all, it's a place of holiness, which Yaakov's not going to leave. So Hashem had to intervene to make this all happen, to get Yaakov and all the brothers to go down to Mitzrayim. And not only that, but Hashem affected the emotions of the brothers that this should happen. Why should they be jealous of this wool coat that Yaakov gave to Yosef. All of a sudden, they become into a bunch of murderers. We're talking about the Avos here. Sadiqim, the greatest righteous people that ever lived. How could it be all of a sudden they want to kill their brother? The answer is they misjudged. And Hashem put it into their hearts to misjudge. First of all, the mom explains he had more Yerchemayim, he had more fear of God than the brothers. So he used to tell them where they were wrong. So they interpreted that, that he's arrogant. He really cared about them and he wanted to help them. But they interpreted it to be arrogant. And the truth was he was very, very humble. And he wanted to befriend them, to uplift them. But the other brothers, the brothers of Leah, they said, no, he's also a low life. He's also like them. Because they look at those brothers as being lower. So he said, Yosef's also low like them. But it was really because of his year Shemaim, his fear of God, his fear of sin, and his humility that was making him behave this way. And they misinterpreted it in order that it should bring hate out in their heart. So Hashem was putting a spin on it that they would come to kill him. Also, the Malban asked the question, how is it possible that Yaakov could send Yosef, his favorite son, to Shechem? Shechem, all the people were enemies. We know that Shimon and Levi wiped out Shechem, so it was very dangerous for the Jewish people to go over there. How could he send him to such a dangerous place? 
Even if you'll say that a person who does a mitzvah is guarded, but still, it's dangerous there. So we saw the Midrash Rabbah that said, Yaakov said Yosef because of the deep canto of Avram, who's buried in Hebron. So the Mabam explains that it was a divine decree. That's why. That the Jews had to go into Mitzrayim. So even though it didn't make sense, Yaakov sent Yosef to go to the brothers who want to kill him in a dangerous place. That's what happened. It was a divine decree. He even says, even the hatred itself that drove the brothers to sell Yosef was planted in their hearts by God. Now there's no natural explanation to why Yaakov would send his son Yosef to such a dangerous place. But still, Rev. Miller McGay said yes. How can it be that these Sadiqin, these righteous people, the most righteous people on earth, wound up with this tremendous sin of killing or trying to kill their brother and sending him to Mitzrayim? These are supposed to be the examples to all of humanity. And he brings other cases that says, sometimes there are very lofty figures that seem to act out of character and debase themselves. For example, the whole Jewish people at one point did the sin of the golden calf after they received the Torah on such a high level they reached the level of Adam Arisham before the chait, of Adam before the sin. That's what the Jews reached when they received the Torah at Sinai. And next thing you know, they're doing idol worship. The Jewish people did idol worship. Also we know King David. King David sinned with Bathsheba. Okay, it wasn't exactly a sin because her husband gave her a divorce from Freya, a retroactive divorce before he went to the front lines. But still, wasn't the right thing. Shmuel Navi came and rebuked him. And also, right after this, the whole story with Yehuda and Tamar is another example of a great man sinning. He went with Tamar. He didn't know it was Tamar. In truth, at the end of the day, it was a mitzvah. He did Yivum with her which means he lived with her in order to continue the seed of his sons, which was a mitzvah, but he didn't know he was doing a mitzvah at the time. So how can you have all these cases of people, the greatest people that ever existed, doing all these sins? What's going on? So Rav Miller brings the Gemara of Odezar, says like this, Rav Yochanan said in the name of Rav Shimon ben Yochai, Neither was David worthy of that deed with Bathsheba, nor were Yisrael worthy of that deed with the golden calf. So why did they do it? In order that if an individual has sinned, he could be told, go and follow the example of the David, the individual, who repented. And if a community sins, they could say to him, go and follow the example of the community Yisrael who has repented. And Rashi adds there, these people had total control over their impulses, which they would have been able to overcome this test if it wasn't for a divine decree that the impulse should hold sway over them in order to give hope to people who want to repent. In other words, David and the Jewish people sinned that in the future, any individual or any community could return to God, could repent, that they should be an example. It's unbelievable. And we also know by Tamar and Yehuda, the Chazal says, the Midrash says, every way Yehuda tried to turn away from her, and every time he turned away, there she was. He turned left, she was left. He turned right, she was right. He saw it was a divine decree. And why was that? Because from that came the Mashiach. The Messiah comes from 
the Zerah of Yehuda and Tamar. So it's a divine decree. And the Jewish people had to go to Mitzrayim. Because that was a decree that Avram Avinu received by sitting by not having faith. Because Hashem told Avraham that your children are going to be foreigners in a foreign land. That's a decree. So now Rav Miller asks, if all this stuff was fate and it was predestined, why were they punished? David HaMelech, the Jewish people for the Chet Egel, Yehuda, the Shvatim, the brothers, Chazal tells us that the, the ten martyrs that died, Rabbi Kiva and the ten martyrs that died by the hands of the Romans were a Gilgul, a reincarnation of the brothers and Yosef. They weren't forgiven until after they had to die a death of martyrdom. But why? It was all predetermined. It was all predestined. Why should they be punished? So he brings the Chavos Levavos who explains there's two parts to every action. There's the intention and what actually comes out through the action. It says, He has not placed in our power the completion of the deed. For it is dependent on extraneous circumstances which occur from time to time. He distinguishes between the desire and the intention to do good or ill, which is given over to man, and the opportunity to fulfill this resolve, which God grants at times but denies at others. Perhaps the individual is not worthy of the good deed or the bad deed. For example, Yosef actually gave in to Aisha's Potiphar. He was about to live with her. And what happened? An image came of his father and protected him. He saw his father, so he stopped himself. So there you have a case where his intention was to live with her. But Hashem protected him that he didn't live with her. Also, it says that a person who is really not about chesed, he's a stingy person, he will not have the opportunity to do chesed. Why? Because let's say he wants to give money or tzedakah to somebody, it'll wind up to the wrong person. So there you have the intention of a person wanting to do good, and it comes out that he's not able. So sometimes you can have a person have a thought of a sin, and next thing you know, he's doing this sin. He doesn't know what happened. It like overtook him. Or... The opposite. It says, one who wants to sanctify himself a little through his own endeavor is greatly sanctified from above. So the intention is one thing and the result is the other. So like the Chazal said that David really wasn't worthy that he should wind up sleeping with Bathsheba or the Jewish people were not worthy that they should wind up doing a sin like the sin of the golden calf. But Hashem's plan was that they do it so that everyone could learn from them and learn how to repent, which is what they did. But still, there must have been some intention to do that act. And that's what they were punished for. Hashem magnified it. He made it bigger. But there had to be some latent inclination with the individual to do that act. Which also means there had to have been some real hatred of the brothers that they had that caused this tremendous act. As true, was amplified, and it was Hashem's plan. But it also started with them. They still had responsibility. The Midrash says, a cow refused to be dragged along to the slaughterhouse. So what do they do? They put the calf in front of her, 
They dragged the calf, which they were able to do. And the cow followed against her will. So too, Yaakov was destined to be brought down to Egypt in chains in a halter. But God said, my firstborn son, shall I bring him down in such a state? No, instead, I'll drag his son in front of him and the whole family will come down. So you see, there is God's plan, but there's also individual free will. So the tendencies that a person has can produce a tremendous result, whether for good or whether for bad. But a person has to watch his tendencies. Yeah, but you ask me, hey, wait a second, this doesn't sound fair, it doesn't sound right. He's got a small tendency to sin. David and Bathsheba, Jewish people in Avodah Zarah, Yehuda and Tamar, the brothers had some hate for Yosef. Is it really fair that they came to the situation which God produced? God made them sin. It's God made them sin. Okay, they had something small. It doesn't sound fair. So this you have to hear. This is simply unbelievable. The Gemara says, The closer to God, the greater the burden. According to the camel is the load. That's what it says in the Gemara. And the load is not only a punishment for every sin. Every latent defect is brought out into the open. And the individual is visited with the sin, derived from this latent defect which he has inside of himself. Why? In order to become aware of it and rectify it. And he says, Not because David never sinned was he anointed the king of Israel. For there is no righteous person on earth who does good and does not sin. But because he repented for his sin so sincerely and profoundly, and he didn't seek to excuse it, that's why he became king. And he became an example for the Jewish people on how to do tshuva. The whole Shari tshuva, the famous Sefer, and how a person can repent, is based on King David's psalm, when he talks about how Natan came to him to rebuke him about Bathsheba, this is simply unbelievable. The closer a person is to God, the greater the chance that his bad stuff is going to come out, but Paul, in actuality. Why? Because the closer you come to God, the more you want to purify yourself. God is going to reveal who you really are. And that may come out in some sins. The Vilna Gon said in Evan Schleber, Just as rain causes whatever to plant it to sprout forth, whether it's good or bad, so too the Torah. It causes what's a man's heart to sprout forth. In other words, Torah, learning Torah is like water. Coming close to God is like water. What's ever inside of you is going to grow. But that's how we get rid of the bad. And the Vilna Gon also says in Evan Shlema, Sometimes a righteous man will transgress a great sin. This happens because it is inherent in his nature, or because it was implanted during his childhood, or because his soul was faulty in respect from another incarnation. He's a righteous person. And he did a sin. A big sin. Why is that? Because it's inside of his kishkas. It's latent inside. It's potential inside. And sometimes God brings it out in order that the person should uproot it 
and that a person should really return to God, to really become pure. So it comes out that God intervenes in our lives in order to help us to come close to Him, to reach higher and higher levels. Rabbi Victor Miller said in the verse that talked about the man wandering in the field, Gabriel, he says, like everything else in the story of Yosef and in the history of each man's life, every detail is purposeful and is essential in order to achieve the final result. Everything that's happening to us in our lives is for the final result. If we're trying to grow, we're trying to come close to God and we sin, it's there to show us, to show us our imperfections, to reveal it. Chazal tells us that the Bauchuva stands in a place where the person who never sinned stands. In other words, the person who sins and repents is on a higher level than the person who never sinned. And by admitting that we have impurity inside of ourselves, and by Hashem helping us to reveal that impurity, this is the quality of a king. That's why David Melech he admitted he did her sin, and also Yehuda. As soon as Yehuda saw what was happening, he admitted, it's true, she's more righteous than I am. She did it for the mitzvah Yivum. Tamu was trying to do a mitzvah. But what's also so interesting about this is the juxtaposition, the play between man's free will and where God intervenes. So of course we have free will. And God is helping us at the same time. Because at the end of the day, the talkless is to come close to Hashem. So that's the way the world works. The closer we come to Him, the more the truth comes out. In order that we can come closer. Here is a powerful So the verse said, Yosef says to the baker, In another three days, power will lift your head from off of you. He will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off of you. So how is it that Yosef knew what this dream meant? So the Magid Maduvan wants to bring a mushal. One time an artist painted a beautiful picture of a person carrying a basket on his head, and there was a loaf of bread in it. As two people were looking at the painting, an actual bird came by and started to peck at the loaf of bread in the painting. So look, one of them said, wow, this painting is unbelievable. The bird really believes that it's a real loaf of bread. So the second one says, come on. He's not a good painter at all. If it was a really good painting, the bird would be afraid. So to Yosef said, if birds were eating off the basket, that was on the baker's head. He understood the birds were not afraid of him, which was a sign that he was destined to die and be hung. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So the verse said that Yaakov made Yosef ketones passing. He made from a fine woolen tunic. So one time, Rabbi Yitzchak Silberstein was riding on a bus from Jerusalem to Nebrak when there was a tremendous traffic jam. It was going very slow. Then finally they caught up and they saw there was a tremendous accident, a very serious accident. He said the scene was horrific. The people were dead light on the road. There was blood. And the relatives and the other people who didn't get so hurt in the accident, they were crying. So as he drove by, he noticed the car. And he saw is a brand new, shiny American car. 
and he could see the beautiful upholstered seats through the shattered windows covered with blood. So he thought to himself, how much can, how envious the neighbors must have been when this guy got his new car. We're talking about 30 years ago in Eretz Yisrael or 40 years ago. People didn't have cars. This guy gets a brand new American car. Little did the neighbors know what kind of car it really was. If they knew that the car was going to kill its owner, would they have been jealous? So too when the brothers saw the coat that Yaakov gave to Yosef, they became jealous. However, the Midrash says no. The coat in Hebrew is kasonis passim, what's passim. It hints at all the troubles that Yosef was going to have. Passim, pay stands for potifar. Samek stands for sochrim, merchants. It's going to be sold. Yud for Yishmalim, and men for Midianites. That's who he's going to be sold to. The coat itself was a vehicle to bring troubles on Yosef. So why should they envy him? Also us. We see a guy gets a new expensive coat, a new expensive thing. Who knows how much trouble it's going to bring the person. A guy gets a shiny new car, maybe he's going to die in that car. A guy gets a beautiful house, maybe he's going to die in that house. So why should we be jealous? From here we see the wisdom of how a great rabbi looks at the world. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Ramosha Stone talks about honoring your parents, in a marriage that is. The husband and the wife honoring their parents. He says it's a strange phenomenon. Sometimes after a boy gets married, he stops honoring his parents. They bought him an apartment. They gave up everything that he should get married. And he neglects the mitzvah of honoring them. He doesn't call them. He hardly sees them. He's now he's got his wife. Or sometimes the husband doesn't want to go to the wife's parents. Or the wife doesn't want to go to the husband's parents. He says it's hard to believe I don't even need to talk about it. But the reality is that I do. So he explains, maturity and adulthood provides no exemption from honoring one's parents. The Kasa of Sofa wrote, it says, a man shall fear his mother and his father. Which man? Even a grown man who has his own home and his own wife. And the Gemara Pei and the Yushalmi says that it's even elevated above the fear you should have for Hashem. Why? It says, Kibaras Hashem Mahoncha, you should honor Hashem with your money which means you have to give a fifth of your money for Meiser. But to support one's parents, you have to even beg. You have to be out in the street trying to help your parents to survive. And someone who neglects Kivar he doesn't give honor to his parents. In the end, he's not going to give honor to God either. Rav Yossi used to say when he heard his mother's footsteps, I shall rise before the Shekhinah, before the presence of God. If you're honoring your parents who brought you into this world, so young, then you'll come to honor Hashem who brings you into the next world. But if not, no. And he says that a father-in-law should be honored like a father. David Amalek said to Shaul, his father-in-law, he called him Abba. And the Mechilta explains that Moshe also honored Yisrael, his father-in-law. But he explains, honoring your parents is one of the hardest mitzvahs. Rev Zerah blessed Hashem that he had no father or mother. So he shouldn't stumble in this mitzvah. And Rav Yochanan, who was an orphan, he says, fortunate the one who never saw his parents. Imagine such a thing. The mitzvah is so difficult. And it's scary. Bring Sefer Haredin that says, one time a man stopped respecting his mother after she became a widow and remarried another husband. In other words, she married somebody else and he didn't want to have anything to do with her. 
What happened? The son drowned and was found dead on the seashore with one eye that was taken out by crows. So it says there, it was Mina connected Mina, tit for tat. Because his mother was despised in his eyes, his eye was disgraced. Though, in terms of Shalom bias, sometimes if the parents are meddling too much, they're too much involved. So it says, therefore a man shall abandon his father and mother and cling to his wife. Because essentially you have to be more with your wife and your spouse than your parents. But it has to be done tactfully. He tells a story like this. One time there's an older bachur, a guy couldn't get married, couldn't find a shidduch. You know why? Because he insisted that after they get married, the mother has to live with them. So people started to complain, what's with this guy? Let's go ask Rav Orbach. So they went to Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach. And he took the bachur aside. He said, that's right. He shouldn't marry a girl unless she has the quality of chesed. So what happened after that? So he, eventually he got engaged. And Rav Shlomo Zalman saw him again. He said, listen, you have to put your mother away in an old age home. Your new wife shouldn't have to suffer. In other words, she should have the quality that she's willing to do the chesed. It's true. But in terms of your marriage, you can't have your mother in the house. Just make sure she's really taken care of in an old age home. And he ends off that if your wife, for example, wants to go visit her parents, because it's the nature of a woman that she's close to her parents, you have to let her. You shouldn't interrupt with that. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And please share with your friends. It's a big mitzvah. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.